0: Hello, beloved. I cannot be with you live this hour, but I pray that this encore episode will be helpful to you in your life and in the life of your family.
1: God bless you. I'll be back with you soon.
0: Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you're doing well and that your Lent is beginning well. And I uh, want to say to all of you whose Lent is not beginning well, either because you've not begun to even think about what you are going to do to join our Lord's suffering in the wilderness for 40 days, um, to give something up externally, internally, To fast from selfishness, from self-love, from chocolate, from whatever it may be, Um, uh, or if you've decided and you failed, don't worry about failing. The only true failure is to not get up again, to not try again. You know, uh, we get so discouraged with ourselves. Discouragement, by the way, is never from God. I. Always remember that, because there are many times I get discouraged or even disgusted with myself. And I say, no, discouragement is not from God, it's from the devil. So I just say, get thee behind me, I'm not interested, and I go on and pick myself up and go on. um, And try again and again and again. I may spend my entire life trying. I I remember St. Paul and the scriptures uh, said that he begged God to um, heal him of a certain infirmity. But um, uh, God said, no, nope. uh, it was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And God was not going to take it away. God sent it and he wasn't going to take it away because it's what Paul, it's what kept Paul humble, kept him um, relying on God. He was very controlling, very independent man, a very aggressive Aggressive against the Jews who believed in Christ, and then aggressive for Christ uh, when he was converted. And God needed to keep him dependent on himself, on God, not on Paul's strength, or not on his determination, not on his goodwill, no, but on God. And so Paul, God would not answer his prayer to take this infirmity away, and then Paul learned to say, when I am weak, I am strong, because In his weakness, he called upon God, and then he was strong. And so we say, okay, but that was Apostle Paul, and it wasn't a moral failure, it wasn't this failure, it wasn't that failure. Well, Paul didn't say what failure it is. We kind of guess what it may have been, um, but um, it's not the point. We don't say, Lord, if it was this, I would know it was from you, or if it was from this, it would be all right, but it's this. No. Uh, whatever it is, God has allowed it, doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to overcome it. But God may not free us us of it. It may be a suffering we live with our entire lives, even if it's a weakness, even if it's a fault, because we strive to overcome it and we simply cannot. We don't say, okay, well then, God, fine, you want me to live with it? Fine. Oh, no, 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 no. We never stop striving, but we don't make ourselves sick over it and we don't. Uh, give up over it we don't we just thank God that we still have this ailment whatever it is to depend on him it's so important beloved never ever 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 Mm ever give up never give up never cease to try again I don't know about you but I tend to be a perfectionist so if I fail today I'm going to start tomorrow and God would say, don't start tomorrow. Start the moment you realize you failed. Start today. But it's only uh, whatever time in the morning it is. Right now, I'm in Tulsa, so it's 9.04. If you're on the East Coast, it's 10.04. So don't it, start now. Don't wait for tomorrow. But then today won't be perfect. That's right. Nothing is perfect. Neither are we. God is not a legalist. Start tomorrow and be pure. And be. No, no, no. Start now. Right now. What that means, today won't be perfect. That's right. It's not going to be perfect anyway. We're just not going to give up. We're going to start right now. Otherwise, we'll be kind of depressed the rest of the day to start tomorrow. No. Um, call on the grace of God. And if you fail again, well, I've called on him 10 times and I've failed 10 times. Well, call on him again, call on him again and you'll fail the 11th time. Never stop calling on God. Never stop striving. Never, never, never stop. And our failure shows us how weak we are, shows us how much we need God, shows us that we need to spend more time in prayer and in seeking Him and in in maybe reading books on the saints who overcame the same things we have. So um, we've been reading through St. Francis's sermons. We just began... Uh, reading through St. Francis's sermons on, on the season of Lent. And he's on the first subject that he's tackling is fasting. And, and where we left off yesterday, I'm going to reread one paragraph from yesterday, just so we get our bearings. St. Francis says, it will be very helpful to state clearly what must be done to fast well these 40 days. For although... Everyone is bound to know it and to practice it. Did you hear that, beloved? It's not a good thing to do for holy Christians. We are bound to that. We are bound to fasting during Lent as Catholics. We are bound to it, beloved. For although everyone is bound to know it and to practice it, religious and persons dedicated to our Lord are more particularly obliged to it. Now, among all the conditions required for fasting well, St. Francis de Sales says, I will select three principal ones and speak familiarly about them. He said the first condition is that we must fast with our whole heart, that is to say, willingly, wholeheartedly, universally, and entirely. And he says, "If I recount to you Saint Bernard's words regarding fasting, you will know not only why it is instituted, but also how it ought to be kept." Now, this is what I'm going to read. This is the subject we left yesterday, and we're on still. But I'm going to read one paragraph out of out of four pages that we read yesterday, because it'll give you the idea of um, fasting with our whole heart. And then we'll go on to the second point. But to fast with our whole heart, um, St. Bernard says that fasting was instituted by our Lord as a remedy for our mouth. Listen to that. Fasting was instituted by our Lord as a remedy for our mouth, for our gormandizing, and for our gluttony. Since sin entered the world through the mouth, right, in the garden, Eve, the serpent deceived Eve and she took from the tree and gave to Adam and he ate. And it plunged the whole world into the human race. Why? Why? Because they ate an apple or fruit or whatever was growing on the tree? No, no. Was it poison? No. What was poison is their disobedience. They decided to do it their way. They wanted to be perfect. Um, They wanted to have God without God. They wanted to In the words of Frank Sinatra's song, I'll Do It My Way. And I've said before, Frank Sinatra only put the music to it, but Adam and Eve wrote the words, and all of us since then. Sin entered the world through the mouth. The mouth must do penance by being deprived of foods prohibited and forbidden by the church, abstaining from them for the space of 40 days, But this glorious saint, St. Bernard, adds that as it is not our mouth alone which has sinned, but also all other senses, our fast must be general and entire. That is, all the members of our body must fast. For if we have offended God through the eyes, through the ears, through the tongue, through our other senses, why should we not make them fast as well? And not only must we make the bodily senses fast, but also the souls, powers, and passions, yes, even the understanding, the memory, and the will, since we have sinned through both body and spirit. I'll stop there and go on to um, St. Francis's second point, except I would tell you that my, my memory is beginning to fast year-round. <laughs> And St. Francis de Sales says, the second condition is never to fast through vanity, but always through humility. If our fast is not performed with humility, it will not be pleasing to God. Well, I think, wouldn't that be true of everything? Anything that's not performed with humility is not pleasing to God. If there's pride in it, uh, no. And we're fasting to lose weight, That's a good thing if we need to lose weight and if we do it responsibly, but that's not a spiritual fast. That doesn't count for Lent. Although if you fast for Lent, the byproduct may be that you lose weight. That's okay. But you're fasting with your whole heart in humility for love of God. St. Francis de Sales continues, If our fast is not performed with humility, it will not be pleasing to God. All our ancient fathers... Have declared it so, particularly St. Thomas, St. Ambrose, and the great St. Augustine. St. Paul, in the epistle that he wrote to the Corinthians, um, declared the conditions necessary for disposing ourselves to fast well during Lent. And we'll say what those conditions are according to Scripture. As soon as we come back from the break, beloved, we'll have a, a little more time to continue reading. And then after our second break, We'll take your calls, your emails, and your uh, texts. And I'll give you ahead. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483. Or you may email at mother at com. We'll be right back.
2: The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle, and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year,
3: In the midst of them, the Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9 30 p.m. AM Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network.
0: Hello, beloved. I cannot be with you live this hour. God bless you. I'll be back with you soon.
1: Welcome back,
0: beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so thrilled to be with you. We're reading through St. Francis de Sales' sermons on Lent. St. Francis de Sales wrote these sermons in 1622. He is a wonderful apologist of the Church. He's a doctor of the Church. Um, he's known as the doctor of love, the gentle doctor. He's my spiritual director from heaven. He's magnificent. And so now we're speaking about Lent and the conditions for fasting. And he says, first, uh, we, that we must fast with our whole heart, willingly, wholeheartedly, universally, and entirely. The second condition is never to fast through vanity, but always humility. And he says, "If our fast is not formed performed with humility, it will not be pleasing to God <clears throat> and then he says, All our ancient fathers have declared it so, but particularly Saint Thomas, Saint Ambrose, the great St Augustine, and Saint Paul in the epistle that he wrote to the Corinthians, particularly um 1 Corinthians chapter 13, known as the love chapter, which I know many people choose even as their wedding verse. Um, And so in chapter 13, St. Paul declares the conditions necessary for disposing ourselves to fast well during Lent. He says this to us, Lent is approaching. Prepare yourselves to fast with charity. For if your fast is performed without it, it will be vain and useless, since fasting, like all other good works, is not pleasing to God, unless it is done in charity and through charity. And I, I've told the story of someone um, in, a, in an office I worked for once, had about a staff of 40, and one, one individual decided to give up coffee for Lent. And the next year the whole staff came to her and said, you will not give up coffee again. <laughs> you will not give up what you want, but you will not give up coffee again because so many people were affected by her moods when she gave up coffee. And we loved her. We didn't blame her. But but he says, um, um, if your fast is performed without charity, <laughs> it will be vain and useless since fasting, like all other good works, is not is not... Pleasing to God unless it is done in charity and through charity. When you discipline yourself, when you say long prayers, if you have not charity, all that is nothing. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> Even though you should work miracles, if you have not charity, they will not profit you at all. Indeed, Even if you should suffer martyrdom without charity, your martyrdom is worth nothing and would not be meritorious in the eyes of the divine majesty. That's pretty huge. Huge. Yeah, I'll die for Christ. Right. Yes, I will. Go ahead. But, 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 but. No, it's not martyrdom without charity. It doesn't count for all works small or great, however good they may be in themselves, are of no value and profit us nothing if they are not done in charity and through charity. I can hear uh, an argument of a spouse and husband or a spouse and wife at home, a wife and husband, wife, husband and wife at home. Um, and the husband says, well, what do you want? I took out the garbage. I did this. I vacuumed the living room. What more do you want? Well, He's really, what he's done is zero value because it's not done with charity. A wife, a husband wants to be loved. That's what. And so St. Francis de Sales says, I say the same now. If your fast is without humility, it is worth nothing and cannot be pleasing to the Lord. Pagan philosophers fasted thus and their fast was not accepted by God. Sinners fast in this way. But because they do not have humility, it is of no profit at all to them. Now, according to the Apostle, all that is done without charity is not pleasing to God. So I say, I, St. Francis de Sales, say in the same way with this great saint, with St. Paul, that if you fast without humility, your fast is of no value. How do you know if you're fasting with humility? This is me speaking. Well, if you're proud of your fast, if you take pride in it, if you want others to, to notice or to see, you have no humility. Pride casts out humility. You can't be proud and humble at the same time. For if you have not humility, you have not charity. And if you are without charity, you are also without humility. It is almost impossible to have charity without being humble and to be humble without being charity without having charity these two virtues have such an affinity with one another that the one can never be without the other saint francis says but what is it to fast through humility what is that it is never to fast through vanity now how can one fast through vanity according to scripture there are hundreds and hundreds of ways But St. Francis says, I will content myself with telling you two of them, for it is not necessary to burden your memory with many things. I can't burden my memory with many, many things. It won't hold many things anymore. (laughs) To fast through vanity is to fast through self-will. Now listen to this, beloved, very, very clearly. This is for you and certainly for me. To fast through vanity is to fast through self-will, since this self-will is not without vanity, or at least not without a temptation to vanity. And what does it mean to fast through self-will? It is to fast as one wishes and not as others wish. To fast in the manner which pleases us and not as we are ordered counseled now recall that st francis de sales is writing this to the sisters in the order that he began and when he began the order of the visitation of holy mary uh in the 60 early 1600s uh together with st jane de chantal they took in women of all ages they took in 80 year old uh many many older women um To begin with, and they still take in women of many ages, maybe not um, all ages, but many ages. Um, And that's how he began. That's how many orders began, by the way. That's how we began. But and how we began, we've taken orders of all ages also, and I've also said it's 18 to 118, but if you're 119, you can keep the rule, we'll make an exception. <laughs> but we want all ages. We, we just didn't begin that way. Most orders begin that way, and then they uh, kind of eventually have an age limit of 30, 35, maybe 45 in a cloistered order top, that kind of thing. We're not doing that because, you know, um, uh, when you go to an established order, you're going to be with all ages. You're going to be with women that have been uh, nuns for 60 years because they're in their 80s now or 90s. or uh, And then you're going to be with uh, young women who are 18 and 19. So you're going to have all the generations, which I think is thoroughly beautiful to live together. So we're beginning that way. We're not going to grow into that. We're beginning that way, all ages. But of course... You need to have, be called by God to do this, and because otherwise it's going to be a dream, and the dream is going to peter out when you realize that all of the religious life is dying to self. And um, that's why St. Francis is saying um, to fast in the manner which pleases us and not as we are ordered or counseled, um, uh, we 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 fast a certain way here, and everyone is bound to that. In addition, they can choose their own additional personal penances, but they have to be approved by the superior. And if they're not, then they cannot be done. So it's it's a different way of life to be under that obedience. Um, it's it's extremely formative. It's extremely formative. Um, but even at home in a family. Um, Everyone shouldn't do simply what they wish. If it's not good for the family or not approved by, if your children, it should be approved by your parents. And if your parents do not think it's profitable for you or that you should take that on for any reason, then you don't. And if you took it on against your parents, it'll mean nothing for you. It will not be pleasing to God and it will not count. Anything done out of disobedience excuse me, or without approval, is is, um, wood, hay, and and stubble. It will not be meritorious. St. Francis de Sales says, You will find some who wish to fast more than is necessary, and others who do not wish to fast as much as is necessary. What causes that except vanity and self-will? All that proceeds from ourselves seems better to us and is much more pleasant and easy for us than what is enjoined on us by another, even though the latter is more useful and proper for our perfection. This is natural to us and is born from the great love we have for ourselves. Suppose in a family you say, well, we we need to abstain during Lent on all Fridays from meat. And what if you say, we are actually going to enter, uh, now I'm not suggesting this, I'm just uh, um, saying it as um, a fact that many have done through the ages. It, the older fast, in, when it included fasting from meat on Fridays, included fasting from meat products, milk, eggs, cheese, um that's all i can think of at the moment any anything that comes from milk anything that comes from fat from meat products um now i'm I'm not suggesting you do that it's not mandatory and even if you did that there might be someone in your family that needs the protein of eggs or you have a child or a, a growing child that needs milk they shouldn't fast you see you have somebody who's pregnant No one who's pregnant should fast. Absolutely not. You're feeding two lives, and that baby needs to grow. Someone who's elderly needs nourishment, that sort of thing. So forget that. But um, if you're healthy and your family wants to fast from those things, or um, no desserts during the entire 40 days of Lent, maybe Sundays, you could have dessert. And you say, Mom, come on. Aren't we supposed to choose our own sacrifices? Well, you can, in addition to what your parents have chosen for the family. You see, when you do those things, not grudgingly, but in humility, and you say, yes, Lord, and you trust that God is leading you through the parents who have stewardship over you, yes, Lord, then it's meritorious for you. If you do it because you're told to do it, And it's your form of obedience, but you do it with a terrible attitude. It will mean nothing for you whatsoever. You will not please God. It will not merit for you at all. You still must do it. You see, it has to be with humility and with a heart of love for God wholeheartedly. You need to trust that what your parents are asking you to do is what God is asking you to do. Okay. There's the music for our break and when we come back we'll have a whole half hour for you to call in or text or email. We'll be right back.
4: Love learning more about the church but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis. And we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSight News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSight News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. <laughs>
3: This is Rick Paulini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving
4: into the Diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the Diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning
3: at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. ufam Jesus, I trust in You. Hi, this is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. We bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 Pacific. You can call us during the show,
0: 888-526-2150.
4: The Terry and Jesse Show, weekdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network and heard around the world on the
0: iCatholic Radio app. Hello, beloved. I cannot be with you live this hour. God bless you. I'll be back with you soon.
1: Welcome back,
0: beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour, and you are welcome to call in or text toll free one 877 5483 or email at mother at com. We're going to take an email from someone who write, wrote it anonymously. I read this during the break, and I am so sorry that I did not, uh, wasn't able to get to this or see it earlier. Before Ash Wednesday, Um, this one wrote in Dear Mother Miriam, I am I am in my first trimester of pregnancy and I get bad nausea through the day and especially in the evenings. What helps me get through the day and caring for my toddler is frequent snacking and small meals a day. I am worried about this coming Ash Wednesday. Am I obligated to fast? I am praying and hoping I will be able to fast and get through my day caring for my family. Thank you, and God bless you, Anonymous. My dear Anonymous sister, I am so sorry I didn't see this earlier. We have so many emails uh, that I'm very grateful for, but we're not always able to get to all of them. So let me say to all of you, if you've sent in an email or a question that's timely, like the Ash Wednesday situation or more urgent, and I haven't gotten it to it yet, please call in if you can. You can call in anonymously as well um, because I will always take calls before emails. But I hope that you got through Ash Wednesday well. I hope you're doing well. And for you to know and for everybody to know you are excused from fasting completely when you're pregnant. And some pregnant women want to be heroes and fast anyway. You, you have free will to do that, but your fasting is probably not going to help the child in your womb. Don't fast during pregnancy. No reason to fast. If you want to abstain from meat, and I don't even say meat products, but just meat, um... And you can do that by eating other things. That's fine. But you don't have to do that either. Um, And some people, when they abstain from meat, even some monasteries, when they abstain from meat, they don't abstain from chicken because the rule was to abstain from four legged creatures. And and birds have two legs. So you could eat birds. So uh, birds and fish. So um, don't be scrupulous. Uh, Don't ever be scrupulous or legalistic. Um, You know, I think we can tell the difference when we want lemon meringue pie. We can't stand not having dessert uh, versus when we need food. And when we need food, whether it's lent or not, our bodies need to eat. That's why the church says below the age of 18, uh, you're not obligated to fast. And after, I think, the age of 59. Uh, you're not obligated to fast. I think 14 and below, you're not obligated to abstain from meat. Um, Or uh, I think, uh, I I may have it the 14 and 18 year old ages backwards, but, um, and if you're between 14 and 59 or 18 and 59, if you're sick, you need food. You certainly need chicken soup. And if you are weak, uh, whatever it may be, you need, if you need it, you need it. We're fasting, um, you know, uh, we read earlier from St. Bernard that sin came to us through the mouth. So the mouth needs to fast. But... um, uh adam and eve didn't need to eat from the tree you see they didn't need that nourishment they had the rest of the entire garden in paradise to feed themselves so the question is or the issue is we need to fast and 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 be masters of our body but when they are again sick or weak um don't deprive them. You can take on another form of fasting. You could take on another sacrifice. If you have the strength, a pregnant mother in her first trimester, I can't even think of what other sacrifice you can take on. You're taking on enough sacrifice, uh, growing a human being in your body, growing a baby and taking care of a toddler at the same time and your husband and the family. I, I think God regards that enough for, for Lent. Um, so I'm not telling you not to, but um, please, dear mothers, be um, be uh, prudent, be prudent in what you do. And that will please God more than you're uh, putting yourself and your baby in danger. We have an email from Donna and she says, Hi, Mother Miriam, thank you for taking my question. my seven-year-old went to school and she puts in parentheses yes a public school i know i know get your kid out of public school i'm working on it and she says and he asked his closest friends do you believe in god this is a seven-year-old all but one other student in his class said no one of his best friends said god flies in outer space And I'm going to shoot him in the eye with an arrow and destroy him someday. Can you imagine a seven-year-old saying that? Can you imagine the home he's growing up in? It's it's not even Twilight Zone. It's a horror zone. And she writes pretty shocking. God is a video game to some people now. He then went on. He then went to ski practice last night. This is the seven-year-old and asked each one of the kids on his team, and the coach, if they believe in God. Only two of the kids on his ski team said yes, even the coach said no. He got in the car last night and asked, Mom, why doesn't anyone else believe in God? I honestly, she says, I honestly did not know how to answer this question. I could go off on a major commentary about atheism and secular humanism, but all of this would be too far out of his reach. He's only seven. It took my breath away to think that such a high proportion of um, nuns, uh, N-O-N-E-S, the no one believing in God, no one, that's where the word nun came from, N-O-N-E, no one, um, that such a high proportion of nuns exist in his generation and it greatly discouraged me to think what a struggle it will be to fight against it and successfully raise my kids Catholic. What would you say to a boy this age? Thanks for the advice. God bless you. Well, it is a struggle to raise your children Catholic even if you homeschool them. But if you are uh, putting them in public school, I don't know why... I don't know what you're working on to get them out. I have no idea the choices you're making, but, um, I would say at, at just about any cost, indeed, to get your children out of that. Um, I, I'm, I, I have promised everyone that my, our next newsletter, which I hope will be in time for Easter, is going to be a homeschooling newsletter. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking through, articles and everything to see the horror of what's going on in public schools all over the world and in our country and the growing horror it's not lessening it's growing it's so awful it is a horror movie and um much of it parents don't know and um uh, the only warning is you know i think of a the school building is burning you're on one side of the building so you don't you don't even smell it yet. The smoke hasn't gotten to you, but it's burning. And the whole school's going to burn down. And someone tells you it's burning down. You say, "What's well, on the other side. The school's very big. Um, but by the time you smell the smoke, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. Chances are you won't be able to get out. So um, I, I, I think that's it in terms of the lives of our children now. You must get them out um th- that's again I, I see the fire and some don't because they haven't been affected by it yet um but i speak to families that have been affected by it and um uh, they're not willing some are not willing to make the sacrifices to take their children out of public school or to homeschool um they're just not willing to make the sacrifices or husbands don't agree um And if you're a husband that doesn't agree on your wife homeschooling, and you can financially, and she wants to, and you don't agree, I I almost want to say you need to do your homework. You need to do your homework because your disagreement is out of, uh, in most cases, selfishness in your own view of things, and you haven't taken the time to look at what's happening. Well, what would you answer a seven-year-old who says, Uh, Mom, why doesn't anyone else believe in God? You could say to your seven-year-old, Well, actually, I think you found three. (laughs) This is a good thing. But why, sweetheart? um, Here's the question, honey. And you could say this to a seven-year-old. The real question is not why they all don't believe in God. The real question is, how come you do? How come you believe in God? Let him answer that. Sweetheart, why do you believe in God? Do you know why you believe? well, I don't know, Mom, I I always believed. Well, that's great. Or you were teaching us about God, or we prayed at home, or we always knew, and we go to church, we always knew. That's right, sweetie. But the world doesn't always have the advantages you've had. And you see, many children grow up in a a home that doesn't believe in God, like the children you've asked. They're not taught about God. They're not taken to church. And ultimately, and you could say this to a seven-year-old, seven-year-old is old enough for uh, First Communion and for confirmation. They are. Now, a bishop may not choose that, but they are old enough to understand the full gospel and to answer the questions on confirmation. Um, that's why he's asking you these questions. And you can say to him, faith is a gift, sweetheart. Somebody can go grow up in a very faithful Catholic home and not believe. Why? How come we don't have an answer to that? Well, we grew up in, let's say you grew up in a faithful Catholic home and you do believe. Why do you believe? Because you grew up in a faithful Catholic home? No. That's a great gift to you. But you believe because God has given you the gift of faith. And the gift of a family who believes. And we must remember through life, we can never blame anyone for their unbelief. Because we cannot blame ourselves for the fact that we do believe. Faith is a gift. Always, always a gift. And that's how we can evangelize others. Because when we're faithful to the gift God has given us, and we live the gift, and we go back into school uh, with not pride or not arrogance because we believe, but with gratitude because we've received a gift they have not, then we go and we live our faith and we love and we have a heart of gratitude, not criticism, and... Um, And then people begin to say, you know, how come, how come, you know, you're really for real. You're not just preaching morals. You're really, you're really for real. You really believe this stuff because it's only the example of our life that's going to bring people to the gospel. We love because God first loved us. Very, very, very important. So I would say all of that to your seven year old and, and he can become a little missionary in school. It's, it, it's truly, truly wonderful. We have an email from Diana who writes dear mother <clears throat> you spoke on on one of the shows it was today's show but i don't know what, what i don't have a date on your email diana so it's probably possibly even last week or yesterday um you spoke about your spiritual advisor oh yes francis st francis de sales absolutely some years ago i spoke about that today too some years ago i bought one of his books it has been sitting on my bookshelf all these years my son is 22 and he has been dating the same girl since high school she is Presbyterian and knows we are active Catholics suddenly he told us they're thinking of getting married and she will not convert he also stated maybe he should become Presbyterian it seems to me she's manipulating him oh there's a huge huge flag in the way there um there's the music for our break, beloved. Uh, It will be our last segment when we come back. You're certainly welcome to call in toll-free, and we will continue with Diana's email uh, as soon as we come back, beloved. Don't go away. The toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483, and we'll be right back.
4: My name is Jesse Romero I'm a retired Los Angeles cop I'm a Catholic lay evangelist You probably hear me Monday through Friday The Terry and Jesse show My new show on spiritual warfare is called Jesus 911 Every Saturday at noon That's a soul patrol Catholic program Where three cops on fire With our Catholic faith You can hear this program Around the world On the iCatholic radio app Jesus 911 Saturdays at noon Here on the station of The Cross Radio Catholic Network God bless you Keep the faith
2: The Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network.
1: These groups are getting all of this money and doing things, I think, that are endangering our sovereignty and endangering our safety.
0: Uh, What is it about the culture that that needs to be fixed or purified?
2: Well, I mean, it's pretty much everything, you know, when we come down to it. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross and iCatholic Radio for The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ.
0: Hello, beloved. I cannot be with you live this hour. God bless you. I'll be back with you soon.
1: Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio network with live video streaming brought to you by Lifesight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at Mother at the dot com.
0: Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And again, it's our last segment um and you're welcome to call in uh at uh, the toll free number I'll I'll repeat it once more for you uh 18775115483 we're in the middle of an email from Diana <clears throat> who says mother on today's show you spoke about your spiritual advisor Saint Francis de Sales some years ago I bought one of his books it has been sitting on my bookshelf all these years. <laughs> it would be good for you to read it. I, I, I don't know which one it is, but his most famous one is um, Introduction to a Devout Life or to the Devout Life. And um, and the, the second uh, probably most uh, well known is Treatise on the Love of God. Um, and Diana writes, My son is 22 and he has been dating the same girl since high school. She is Presbyterian, knows we are active Catholics. Suddenly, he told us they are thinking of getting married and she will not convert. He also stated maybe he should become Presbyterian. It seems to me she is manipulating him. <clears throat> I told him it would be nice if she could open her heart to exploring the church. We have been good for this girl. I asked her if she wanted to go uh, to midnight mass last year, and she said she was working. She's always available when we ask her out to dinner. Mother, should I pray to Saint Francis de Sales for guidance? You certainly can, beloved. There are many good saints for you to pray for for guidance and wisdom. Uh, he's he's a uh, top, absolutely. And she says, I have an active prayer life and I have been praying for quite some time for God to open her heart and erase all the lies and misconceptions about Catholics. I have been praying for God to never let him be separated, him, her son, be separated from God, the church and the Eucharist. He's young and naive. It takes time to grow in faith. Well, uh, if he's 22, unless he has a specific mental problem. He's young, naive, and and immature. Um, uh, I don't know what his um, growth in faith has been, but at age 22, if he's been raised Catholic, he should know his faith and love his faith if he's truly Catholic. Um, she says, I'm not always able to listen to your show. If you answer my question on the air, please send a podcast date. So I can listen to it. Well, I'm not able to do that, but today is February 28th. And if anyone knows Diane and can tell her that she can listen to the February 28th podcast, um, that would be great. Other than that, um, you can sit, always go to Station of the Cross, Live Site News Facebook page as well, um, and Mother Miriam Live on Facebook, and, and you could listen to the podcast. She says it would be wonderful if you could answer this email. Blessings, Diane. Diane. Uh, Here's the guidance to tell your son that she will not become Catholic and he will not become Presbyterian, not if he's Catholic. You tell him that if he becomes Presbyterian, he is walking away from the church and to know the church, to know the grace of God. Read Hebrews chapter six, to have tasted the grace of God and known it. And receive the Eucharist, the very body, blood, soul, and divinity, all these years, and believed, and turn away, there's no more salvation. He will be turning from God um, if he does this. Um, so either he does not love God, he does not understand the difference between being a Presbyterian or any form of Protestant and Catholic, um, uh, or he, he doesn't, simply, he doesn't know his faith. So uh, he should not marry this woman. That's what St. Paul says. We need to be um, not unequally yoked. If she is refusing from high school until now, they've been dating, he's 22, I don't know how many years, six years, five, 22, uh, six, I don't know how many years. All this time they've been dating and she has not wanted to become Catholic um then uh, they should have broken up before now. I, I don't. I can't say what they should have done. Forgive me for that. I, I don't know this, but um, uh, he needs to know that he will be turning his back on God, and he could say, "Yeah, but Presbyterians are Christians. Um, baptism is valid, but." You will be more accountable for her because God has given, than her, God has given you the grace to be Catholic, to receive all the sacraments, to have your confirmation, to make the promises of being, your baptismal promises of being Catholic, to renew them every year at Easter, and then turn your back on God and the Eucharist, um, tell Him that He is turning His back on salvation. And it is not to be equally yoked. If she doesn't love Him enough, uh, to look into the Catholic Church, then he they should not marry. Okay. She has set the standard. She will not uh, become Catholic, and he needs to say to her sweetheart, I cannot leave the Catholic Church. Um, and so that's where they stand, and if they marry that way, I'm telling you now that la- marriage won't last. <clears throat> we have a question from Lauren, um, On Facebook, actually, and she says, Mother Miriam, you are a blessing. It is amazing the talk you had in wanting God's will and doing it with love. Well, I'm accepting his will, but the feeling of love in his will is not there for me. Harden not your hearts, she quotes. How can I soften my heart? I am 60, retired, caring for my 90-year-old father, caring for a friend with MS. I say my prayers, rosary, novenas. Um, I scream for love. Please help my heart. I love you, and again, you are a blessing to me. And then he... Um, okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, um, you say you're accepting God's will, but the feeling of love in his will is not there. Um, you know, it's it, it, that's hard, because... If you're accepting God's will with the heart of a child whose mother says, I don't want you to go out with your friends. I want you to stay home and do the dishes and clean your room and do your chores. Well, the child could say, I'm doing mom's will because I'm obeying her. And he may not be obeying her with a negative, uh, nasty, rebellious attitude, but it's with mumbling and grumbling. And that's very displeasing to God. And he has not accepted God's will through his mom if he does that. Because if he doesn't do what he does with a cheerful heart, he's not accepting God's will. Years ago, uh, I read an article, and again, by St. Francis de Sales on knowing God's will and doing it. He said, if you want pure water, pure water, What difference is it to you if it's served to you in a clay cup or a golden chalice? What's the difference? You have what you want, which is pure water. He said, if you want God's will, what difference is it to you if it's served to you in consolation or in affliction? What's the difference? You have what you want, which is God's will. You see? And then you could say, but how do I know I have God's will? And the answer is... If you desire God's will above all things, above your own life, it's not that you'll have it, it's that you're in it. And so, uh, if you say to me, Mother Miriam, what is it that you want? You need a new diocese, you need this, what is it you want? And I, my only answer to you, I'll sound like a broken record, is God's will. Because my finite desires are not, what going to get me to heaven, but God's will will get me to heaven. And therefore, without knowing God's will, I love it because it's the will of the God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's our ending music, beloved. So we will speak with all of you on Monday. I wish you a wonderful, wonderful weekend. God bless you.